Hello, this is Rudy Giuliani with Rudy's Common Sense. Bobolinsky, Bobolinsky. If it were not for us, elections would not be a thing in Germany. That was a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody, and that was a retweet. You're listening to the Thinking Hardly podcast. Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Thank you. Bobby? I'm doing good. 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 You were just telling me about your your breakfast problem or challenge. Yeah. Normally you go get a you go get a uh, a breakfast sandwich? Not normally, but I just felt like it this morning and then they didn't have one. Oh. Very good content. <laughs> well, when you want to, you when you want to, I know what it's like. You get a hankering for that. You think it's going to be there, and then boom. you actually know what it's like because you can't just. I could like, I could find that if I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd I have mean, to go further than you're like allowed to go right now to find anything. Yeah, that's the truth. Starting tomorrow, starting at midnight tonight. We're not supposed to leave our municipality. We're not supposed to leave our town. Wow, yeah. Unless it's, uh, you know, an emergency for work or a health reason, basically. So we did a big we did a big grocery shopping, you know, went and got the dog food and stuff we can't get in town. That's really morning. nice. Yeah. How much warning so, did you guys have for that? A couple days. I think we heard yesterday. I think we heard last night, maybe. Oh, man, Something that's like that. crazy. Yeah, things were crowded. I mean, uh, yeah, one of the grocery stores I went into, I just turned around and walked out because there was there's just a line, you know, a long yeah. line because they only let a certain number of people in at a time. So yeah, <clears throat> we're good, no problem. I think we're heading that that direction. Yeah, we'll see. Locking down stuff. Yeah, it's going to be up to your governor. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean. Uh, it sounds like Danica thinks there's going to be a lockdown. Yeah. I mean, that... that well, it does things are, pop- things are popping in Missouri. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. This, I mean, it's everywhere. I, I, All the maps I've seen lately, just like like Vermont and Maine were like yellow and everything else was dark red. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's tough. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just reading an article in the Daily Beast about a... Super spreader dance in Rolla, Missouri. Did you hear about this? No, I did not. <laughs> so, long before it was deemed a potential super spreader event, it didn't take a detective to realize that someone in Rolla, Missouri was throwing a massive party. Sailing themed invitations were screenshotted on Snapchat. Parents wrote cryptic Facebook posts. Pink formal dresses popped up on Instagram, but the Rolla residents who witnessed those posts didn't likely put on put the full picture together nor could they have predicted the extent to which the event an unsanctioned homecoming dance at a local steakhouse would affect the community forcing the health department to devote all its resources to one fiasco and nudging the high school to go back on a full on virtual learning all because of a all because of a homecoming an illegal homecoming dance at a steakhouse that the parents tried to cover up <laughs> my goodness oh man it's crazy I mean, I get, I, I definitely get the tension between public health and 
you know, the economy and, and mental health and all that kind of stuff. But th- that's ridiculous. That just seems like, you know, I know homecoming, but geez. Yeah. Do you guys even remember your homecoming? Maybe you do. You're young. Not really not, yeah, not the details that much, honestly. Yeah. yeah I don't remember mine at all. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think the homecomings I mostly remember were like middle school. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Crazy. All right. Let's Man. talk about let's talk about the election. Yeah. Seems like go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, let's go ahead. I, I don't I didn't know which direction you were going to go. Well, I think many of the many of the outlets have given the final count, which is I think three oh six electoral votes for Biden and the rest for Trump. They were waiting for Georgia and North Carolina and I think maybe Alaska or something. Yeah, that's right. I think, yeah, it wasn't that the exact, uh, I think Bobby was telling me that, uh, or reminding me is the exact, um, split last time, right? Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same split of electoral votes, just the other way, other way around. And this time, what, like 5 million more votes for Biden? Well, I, yeah, I mean, part, that, that's, I think that's all a function of just more, a lot more people voting this time around. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think there's very powerful anti-Trump kind of sentiment. Yeah. Well, everybody was, I don't know, I guess, that, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, it just, it's. The fact that that was the, the there's such high turnout and there wasn't that much reflected in like Senate races and you know lost some kind of House seats and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time, or I don't want to. Uh, yeah, we might have. I can't remember. We've talked about it in between. I think as well. Yeah. Bob the question. I- yeah, the question is whether this is explained by people splitting their splitting their ticket voting voting against Trump, Republicans voting against Trump, but then voting down ticket for Republicans, which seems to be, I mean, I think that's a reasonable, I think that's a reasonable argument, especially if, I think, Bobby, you were saying a lot of older people, you thought a lot of older people got out to vote. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was the data from the primaries. It seems like that's who they were going for. Um, so I, I believe that's true. And, you know, like, if you asked me who I thought would ticket split, that's who I would say. Was old yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we the, touched on this last time. Yeah. I looked at the, I looked at some exit polls to see what the makeup was and the, the, the proportion of folks that were over 65 jumped way up relative to 2016. It went from, I don't know, like 15 to 22% or something like that, which is a pretty big jump, right? 15 to 22 yeah. is pretty big. Especially so, when you're talking about, I mean, how many votes is this? Something like 150, 160 million? Yeah, I think close to 145, some 150, something like that, I guess. I think it was like 72 each, so 144, something like that. Yeah, it says, it says like a little bit over 150. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, 78, so what I know. 72. <clears throat> no. Do you know how many... Um, Eligible voters. I mean, I guess I'm gonna look it up. 
What's the question? How many eligible voters there are in the U.S.? Mm. I guess not. I mean, what the, sort of what the percentage turnout is. That's what you're asking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I got a message on Instagram. You know, most of our most of the pictures that we post on Instagram are food related, right? So I posted a picture of Gina and I having a a little bit of scotch in a glass. We were like clinking them together, and this said something like, "Congratulations to the." You know, our VP elect Kamala Harris, and uh, something about the first woman VP. You know, congratulations or whatever. And I did, I got a message for somebody kept like a couple of messages like, "Where'd you get like where are you?" They hasn't been called yet. Like, where are you getting your news? And oh. I, <laughs> I responded, P- Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, yeah. And then I got something back about the reason I'm bringing this up is that around turnout, she she said, I think it's a she, she said, she said, there are places where the, you know, where the turnout was over a hundred percent. That can't be possible. These have to be fake ballots. You know, I don't know. There's a lot of that going around. 137% of last year's turnout, I think is, is what that was, right? Is that Uh, what that means? That's That's the statistic. She was saying that the turnout, like the votes for Biden and Trump, if you add them together, it was higher than the number of people who were registered to vote. But I can see how one would take that percentage that you just said, that it's 137, 30%, 37% higher this year than in 2016, and twist it into something else. That's my assumption. I mean, I've seen a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's. It really is. I was talking to Billy about this just yesterday. I think it was yesterday, mm. <clears throat> where we were we were talking about like the voter fraud thing, and like I would have such an easier time taking any of these arguments seriously if there were like any examples that were in court that they could bring up. It. It's just. All that it seems that all the people have is like insinuation. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think I'm like, I don't think I personally, I don't think voter fraud is a big problem. Just, just from my feeling. Mm-hmm. But I would be willing to, you know, like take that argument or whatever, like take that case fairly if they had, it just seems like there's no, effort being put into this and it's like their big thing yeah yeah it's like you know yeah i mean you hate to i'm not sure it's worthwhile to try to ascribe intentions to people but um you know there's a different there's real if <laughs> there's like 50,000 how many there's like 50,000 vote difference in pennsylvania i think something like that yeah, I think it's uh, over that. But yeah, maybe 150,000 in Michigan or something like that. So you think about what's required to, you know, so maybe there is some voter fraud. Maybe there is some hanky-panky shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. And there's probably some that goes both ways. I'm not saying it's zero. But, but now, you know, think about what you'd have to do to for that to be, to, to you know, sort of undo 50,000 ballots. Like, it's a tremendous yeah. amount of ballots, right? So it... It either has to be a coordinated effort or yeah. it's just not going to happen. I mean, how do you get 50,000 ballots someplace? I mean, you've got to spread them all over. They can't all come from one place. They can't all come in one time. 
they, you know, I think the most like the honestly the most convincing thing that that people have is kind of just gesturing at like shady stuff done by like voting machine companies. That's like I would say that's like the the out of the things that Trump has tried to say, that's the one that I think has the best chance of catching on with anyone. Because 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 you could get to scale without you could get to 50,000. Is that what you think? Scale, because of scale, because of the fact that you don't have to that, – that removes the element of trying to prove some physical act that happened. <clears throat> yeah. So it abstracts the whole thing. And you know, it, it plays into a larger narrative that I think people are more likely to believe, which is one, there's a lot of corruption in politics and two – these tech companies that are in with politics are like the worst of the worst and we can ascribe bad intentions to them like nine times out of ten. Yeah. So, you know, you, it doesn't take too much to get from there to, okay, you know, like this Dominion voting thing. Like that's, you know, it doesn't take too much of a step from you thinking that to believing that that's real. Okay, so let's just so do you know about I don't know I've been I've heard about the Dominion stuff I haven't looked it up because I'm just bored with the whole thing I'm just kind of tired of the whole yeah. thing but that's not a good that that is not that's not a you know that's a that's a um, that's an excuse it's not really a good reason um, do you know wh- when do they use those machines are those actual voting machines are they part of the scanning process I mean would the mail in ballots be subject to the Dominion issue or not. I don't believe so. Um, well, that, but that's see, that's the problem, right? Because he was ahead in Pennsylvania, and then all the mail-in ballots come, and those are the ones that are leaning towards Biden. So, I, I mean, I just don't. Yeah. I, I just it's difficult to figure out how this would work given yeah, the numbers. Yeah, that, that is a really good point because I. Yeah. Okay. It says I'm just going to look at their Wikipedia here. Okay. They do have no, tab- Wikipedia. That's owned by you know that's owned by some tech company or something. Well, <laughs> that's true. Um, it does say they make tabulators, so it's possible that's what they're talking about. But he's he like specifically said Dominion voting machines. Yeah, because somebody else said Dominion voting machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I'm, the way he talks, right? He said, "I heard, I've heard." You know, some yeah, people are yeah. saying, "I've heard." I heard and the this. way that the way that these things work, like, like I say, you know none of these companies look that good to the public because, you know, they're weird. They're not like, none of these are very transparent. <laughs> like we don't understand the voting process. So, you know, I get, I, I definitely get why that would be your get traction. Yeah. 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 But I just, it's, it's one of those things where these guys own the courts. So like, I just don't <laughs> see how you mean, these guys are the Republicans. Yeah, the Republicans basically own the judiciary at this point. And so if you can't get like one decision that is like damning in court, it's just like, why should I take you seriously? Well, and there, I mean, the, some of the law firms are now stepping away. They're like, we can't, you know, we're just not yeah. going to, you know, we can't do this anymore. That's, that's pretty, I don't know if that's significant or not. Maybe they just, I don't, I don't know. It all seems kooky to me. Well, the kids also just sense the way the wind's blowing. You don't want to get caught up with Trump when, you know, he's on his way out and everyone else absolutely hates him in the town. 
Yeah, that's yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't think that the lock firms care too much about that. I, you know, it's that's all probably true. They're all they're you know they everybody understands that's what they do. I mean, it's they're not. This is just work for them. But you know, I, I do think they may know that there, you know, there is a there is a line at which you know law, lawyers are not supposed to cross, which is if they know something isn't true, and then the judge asks them if it's true, they can't say. I mean. They have to, you can't lie, I think. So they'd have to pretend like they didn't know or they'd have to make sure they didn't know or, you know. I, you know, I think it's really thin. I think, well, that's pretty clear that the evidence, I mean, that's the point that you're making. That's the meta point that you're making, that if there was something there, it would, by now, it would have gotten some traction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone is, is like, you know, just champion of the bit for it basically like on their side so if you can't find anything that will convince anyone even in the middle like i think that just means you're in trouble yeah yeah i mean yeah there's a, a, a guy on facebook that I interact with every once in a while he's a friend of a friend or yeah i guess that's right a friend of a friend and he was saying you know he lives in philadelphia or outside of philadelphia and he was in philadelphia he was protesting and he's a, a trump supporter and he's like i talked to the I talked to the observers, you know, I talked to the Republican observers and they're saying they can't see what's been going on. They can't blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was yeah. Like, no. yeah. Okay. But have you talked to the democratic observers? I mean, we know what the Republicans are going to say. We know what the Democrats are going to say. Find a Democrat that says there's something going, you know, something that's not right. You know, it like we finding somebody to say something, you know, that agrees with their political bent at this point it's super easy. I mean, we're we're looking for people who are willing to stand up and say this isn't right on both sides. You know, we're we're excited when Romney, you know, pauses or something over supporting Trump. We think that's a huge deal. I mean, these days that doesn't mean a thing to me. Yeah, that's that's how I've felt for a long time. <laughs> it's so no, I'm, I'm catching up with you. Like, yeah, just giving people benefit of the doubt for that kind of stuff i don't know man so listen the washington post this is kind of fun i know this is maybe a little bit it's not surprising but here's the washington post put together um some clips of how republicans felt in 2016 when the democrats were dragging their feet on conceding okay and then put them right up against how the republicans the same republicans are reacting when Trump is dragging his feet on conceding. Here's McConnell before 2016 and 2019. The American people understand that if you get 270 electoral votes, you're president. So the election is over. We know who won. And we're going to move on from there until the Electoral College votes. Anyone who's running for office can exhaust concerns. It's not unusual. Hmm. Should not be alarming. <laughs> Those are concerns that are exhausting, that's for sure. All right, so that was the turtle, Mitch McConnell. Here's Kevin McCarthy. So that's that's the that's the head of the Senate, right? Majority leader of the Senate. Here's Kevin McCarthy. This is a representative from California, with whose with whom whom's with whose mother I argue on Facebook oh, regularly. Really? Yeah, well, let's check this out. 20, 2016 and 2020. I don't like the idea of the recount or other. I think the election is over. Now I think it's time that we move on. Every recount needs to be finished. 
You got challenges inside courts. Every challenge needs to be heard. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's an argument on both sides. I get that. Here's Lindsey Graham. People are going to start doubting you as a person if you keep making accusations against our electoral system without justification. This is going to erode his ability to govern this country if he does not stop it. President Trump should not concede. There's so much to be yeah. looked at, and I'm hell-bent on looking at it. Do not accept the media's declaration of Biden. Yeah, well, that's Lindsey Graham. Here's Rick Scott, from, a senator from Florida. He used to be the governor of Florida, and now he's a senator. We won. Um, Ron DeSantis won. We need to go forward and start thinking about our agendas. Bill Nelson is clearly a sore loser. We still we're, There's still a lot of... Uh, challenges out there still. So I think we need to get all the votes. <laughs> I just I mean, love just, that they all sound so nervous because they they don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, they do sound yeah. nervous. That's a good point. They do sound kind of nervous, except Graham. He sounds, I'm hell bent. I don't know. I mean, well, I get it. the safest seats. Like no one. Yeah. That's just with good him. Point. There's no even money to like go after him like there is for McConnell. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I got I get that you want to fight for your team and you make whatever case you can make or whatever, but it's just like these things, it's just like flip, 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 you know, it's so, yeah, it's so obvious, but I mean, this is what we, this is the, the issue that we've talked about many times and Bobby, you've, you know, you've got me, I don't know. I mean, it's like now there's not even a pretext of consistency. It's just, you don't even need to be, to have any pretext. It doesn't matter. You just get out and do your thing and then you get out and do your thing. You get out and do your thing and and nobody's expecting any kind of logical consistency or set of principles or I mean, do you think that's is that what's happening? Yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's just been the the way that politics works. It's just like it's more based on what your audience expects from you, I think. And you know, like the Republicans, it's all about just being angry, which is totally justified anger, I think, in most cases. Obviously, not everything that, that they're mad about, I think, is real. But, um, yeah, I mean, they just – they basically have a voting base that feels like these guys are fighting for me and they're angry about the same stuff I'm angry about. And – I think Democrats, it's the other way around where a lot of their base wants them to seem consistent and seem not hypocritical over anything that they're actually doing. Yeah, yeah there, there's like a – there's much more of a pure focus on results and winning, it seems, on the Republican side where they don't care that, you know – there's a hypocrisy or double standards or whatever. It's just like, well, sure, but we're in power. We're going to use this to our advantage. You know, like there's no qualms about that. It seems, I mean, to certain degrees, I guess some people are kind of upset with how Trump is, Trump is doing things, but, um, you know, in terms of how McConnell operates and everything that, that seems like he's doing the job that they want him to do. Do you, but do you think, I mean, for that, I get the, I get, I think I get the argument, but for that argument to hold, I mean, for it to really work, you're saying that the people on the right, the voters don't care. 
they don't care that there's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is much further down on the you know on the food chain than results, whatever it or is. Or they they are convinced that the uh, Democrats' hypocrisy is much greater, and that this hypocrisy or this kind of lack of consistency is warranted because they think that you know it's almost like they're doing it so that it doesn't happen to them or like they're doing it, yeah. you know, it, to preempt kind of, I don't know. Okay. It, well, like let's take really taking it seriously. Like it's a, you know, like it's a battle and they can't, they can't take any, they can't concede anything or they can't cede anything, um, by being principled or whatever. Yeah, I'm not arguing. I, I think, yeah, I mean, so assume that's true. Assume, like, assume their position is true. Well, then that just means that both the Democrat and the Republican voters don't really care about whether there's, you know, principles in this issue about, you know, yeah, being I hypocritical think. about about whether to concede or not. Maybe, we're, I mean, maybe people just yeah. don't expect anything from politicians. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I think... I, I think that uh, Republicans see it as like part of the game. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you have to do that. And I think that you kind of see that with the, uh, or you kind of saw that with the Supreme Court nomination with uh, Amy Coney Barrett, is that there is a lot of discussion in the Democratic voter side of you know all this kind of stuff that we could do to, you know. Uh, to stop that pick, to do anything like there's talk about packing the courts with, you know, judges that were picked by Biden and everything. So it's like, there is a level of hypocrisy there where it's like, that's obviously very partisanly motivated stuff. And, you know, like we're seeing that they would absolutely use that kind of precedent to, to do that themselves whenever they get the chance. So I think there is in this kind of back and forth kind of fighting, I think there is this kind of tendency to throw away those, those kind of um, commitments to, to uh, consistency or whatever in favor of results or whatever. So I think there's a level of that on both sides. Do, do you think – do you think this is a, you know, a, a, a situation in which you have this, um, you know, this uh, catastrophic cycle where things just get worse and worse and, and worse, right? You know, the, it's tit for tat. And the, so the, the Democrats see that it's whatever works, you know, the ends justify the means and they need to be more, you know, cutthroat and, yeah. you know, just jettison, jettison any principles. Maybe they've already jettisoned them. Maybe they're just not as competent or maybe they're just a little further behind all that. So one, one way to look into the future is to say that we just spiral down and there's nothing like all that's left is, you know, bloodthirst and, and victory or whatever. And the other way to say it is now there's a, there'll be a pendulum. It'll swing back. There'll be a point at which people say, what in the world is going on? You know, like you're, you're, we've, we've got, we've now got just, uh, you know, uh, political bodies, po- politicians that have no anchor in anything, you know, that, that really, that really matters. You can't, you can't act like this and then deliver 
on, you know, what the nation needs. Do you think that there's a, do you think the pendulum's going to swing back or do you think you're going to spiral down or some combination of the both spiral down and then a, a revolution? Um, that's a, that's a good question. I think it depends on the, you know, whoever comes about, I think it depends on who the, you know, leading political voices are at the time. Um, I think somebody who is inspiring enough, who is kind of just committed to winning people over with positive, like reform and everything might be able to kind of avoid even you know, bringing that into the conversation, like in terms of, I don't know, like partisan kind of, um, moves in, in terms of, you know, with regard to like packing the courts and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you don't have to Offering, offering like, you know, good policy or whatever is, is a, another way of winning people over other than, you know, it's an alternate yeah. avenue. You don't have I to. I don't know, but I mean, that sounds right. But, you know, it's not like you, it's not like you're just, it's an absence of ideas that's keeping us from getting someplace. It's an active fight. I mean, there's a fight yeah, with sure. the people on the right. Bobby, what do you think? In terms of voters, like, I think that's. Yeah. You know, how you actually change that. I don't, I think there's always going to be this desire to, to win. And, you know, I don't know. Well, I think, I think there will be a pendulum swing back, but also that's not really necessarily a good thing. Um, like it, that has to happen eventually for the stability of the country. But the stability of the country is like third or fourth on the list of big problems right now. Yeah. So I I just it, – it scares me seeing how much people invest in the ideas of like having like a, a civil political process and stuff like that. So I think the end result of that is that – is what we've seen, which is basically – like namby pamby Democrats in terms of like they can't do anything and they have no real intention of doing anything. Yeah. Getting along with Republicans because they just don't do anything to stop Republicans from what they're doing. Yeah. Like if, if that's if that's the next step, I think that's what happens. Like you yeah. cannot there's no way around the actual fight that's there right now. There's no way around it. Yeah, I just don't see how you look at this election and think that th that the Democrats are doing anything that the American public really is embracing. Like it just was not good. I mean, other than yeah. getting rid of Trump, but that was about Trump. That wasn't about that wasn't about the Republican agenda. That was about Trump. Exactly. And Biden already, I mean, before and after the elections talked about how he doesn't mind the Republican agenda. Like he's He's brought on people already that are like, you know, they're basically Republicans. This is what I mean is like I, th I think the Democrat base is super squishy. They're not useful right now. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's the biggest problem. So like yes, I think it would be giving people what they want if you were to just lower the temperature level of just discussions around politics. But that's not going to happen just from that. Because a lot of this is caused by the fact that everything's just getting worse. And that's not going to stop when the Democrats get in power. 
Yeah, that's for sure. So I honestly, I think, I think you're putting the cart before the horse if you're trying to get to civil politics first right now. Because if you do that, you're not going to get anywhere. That's a really good point. Yeah, it seems like it. That seems I, right. I mean, uh, yeah. I just think I mean, the, the, the argument about whether Democrats will forsake their values to win is so far removed from reality to me. Because, like, they won't even do stuff within the rules to win a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's because it's more this civility thing is more important to them than the actual policies that you want. You, the voter, what? want. Yeah, what do you think it is about the Democrats that makes them um, so afraid or so repulsed or so, uh, you know, hesitant to go for the jugular? I mean, to just really, um, you know, have at it. I mean, is it something about the values that they hold, you know, the values? Of no, kind of no, I think, the- I think part of it is that it's a worse position for them to win. Then you, you have to do stuff. Like yeah. being the resistance party is like the perfect thing for them where they don't have to really do anything but just gesture at the other party and be like, oh, look at what they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah, because if, become, uh, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. It's also become like, you know, one of the main kind of attacks against Republicans is like, oh, look at how, how you know rude or, or angry or whatever they are and so they've made that such like i guess the antithesis of the democratic party that like they feel like they can't do that i mean i i don't know if that's true but you see that kind of or you saw that at least with bernie sanders and i i imagine there's going to be a lot more people like that where it's like oh you know so angry it's like you know it reminds me of trump or it reminds me of the you know the trump like their followers remind me of Trump followers because they're just so angry. Um, so they've definitely kind of put themselves in the role of, you know, cool, calm, collected, very manicured, very, you know, respectable. Um, and they're very afraid to, I don't know, break that brand, I guess. God, yeah, they want to be the teacher. What was that, Bob? I said they want to be the teacher. They want to be the authority figure no matter what they want to be smarter than you the argument that you just made that the that the democrats well billy your argument basically is they've sort of painted themselves into this corner of being you know civil and and in principled and that like that's part of their brand and then by by contrast to the republicans it would be difficult for them to walk away from to walk away from that and but bobby your point that and Bobby, your point that it's just easier to be the resistance than to actually start trying to tackle these major problems. I mean, humongous, difficult problems. Um, you know, much, much of them, I would say, are problems of transition. You know, the, the, the you know, how do you move from one state to another? Like, how do you move from the mess that we're in with healthcare to a single payer system where you get your arms around? You know, costs, which is which is really the problem. I mean, if you could keep if the market if you know a market approach to healthcare worked, then that would drive the cost down. But that is not working. We know that's not working. I mean, we we the U.S. spends twice as much per person as other countries. The other countries don't try this market approach. It's the market approach isn't isn't working. But tackling that means you know if you really want to get your arms around the cost part, which is necessary if you're going to make every you know cover everybody and sustain it, means that you have to 
pay docs less. You have to pay nurses less. You have to pay drug manufacturers less. You have to pay, you know, device manufacturers less. You have to pay hospitals less. All those, that's like 20% of the, 20% of the GDP and you're going to take it away. Those people all have enormous power. So it's a difficult transition. It's one that can happen. It's one that eventually will have to happen, but it's just easier to let the Republicans do their thing and then just hit what, you know, I think that's right. I mean, you, you can, it's easier to raise money. It's easier to win, win seats. It's easier to do all this stuff, but it doesn't yeah. actually help. You, you avoid taking so many political risks. Yeah. I, I think part of it too is that, like I was saying, I think they, they're just searching for this third way where you can get beyond these problems without a direct confrontation. Because, you know, like their donors don't want them to confront a lot of this stuff. It's, I mean, it's not necessarily politically super popular to do that either. But like, I mean, like we're saying, you can't really get around this without confronting the power of some of this organized stuff. Like, there's just no other way to do it. So I think all this other stuff is just basically wasting time. It's so interesting you put it this way because I'm starting to see that in some ways it's the least principled position. You know, in other words, if you really thought healthcare was an issue, then and then you would like act like it's an issue. But instead, you're talking about civility, which is I think what your point is that civility is like way, way, way down the list. Like, why would you like why would you if you had to, if you had principles that are in conflict, why would you why would you adhere to the civility one when the other one is you know like whether people go bankrupt when they get sick or whether people in low-lying areas are going to be flooded out because of climate or black people are getting shot by the, you know, and getting locked up by what's supposed to be the quote justice system. I mean, those, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And well, (laughs) think about it like this too. Why would you, what incentive would it give you to be civil if you had all those problems and you see people acting like that? Like, it's totally counterproductive, even for them. I think it just speaks to who the Democrats want their base to be. Exactly. Yeah. Which are, I mean, it, you know, that's like why they went to the suburbs in 2018. It's why they went with Biden this time. Is because they want people who are just just disgusted enough by the Republicans that they'll vote for the other guys. But in doing that, they have to ensure that they're not actually offering anything. Do you think they see that there's a problem? I mean, this election. Do you think that they're? Do you think that they're going to try to ignore the, ignore what happened, or do you think they're seeing that there's something's not right? I mean, because if it hadn't been Trump, if it had been basically anybody else, or if Trump had done just a half-assed better job at managing the the pandemic, the public health part of the pandemic, he would have won. I mean, he almost won, anyways. Yeah, right. This was just get rid of Trump and then, but keep the sort of keep the Republican agenda. Do you think they escaped this, or do you think they? realize that this is not it's not working i mean i think they realize both like the the thing is if you look at the fact that hillary clinton was the nominee and before obama you had al gore and then you know uh well i guess they were more successful you also had uh carry but you know what i'm saying it's like the bare minimum is basically the best that we can get from the Democrats, even when there's better options there, the one that they will go for is the bare minimum. And, and I think, like I say, I think that speaks to the fact that they don't want people to even want this stuff to be voting for them. Really. 
if they could get away with it, they would just have these people be the base of the party. So I think they realize there's an issue, but they it's not that's not what's going to make them pick someone else. They just can't or won't do it. I mean, I think I think there's a there's a strong case to be made even to people that are like inside a DC bubble that Bernie Sanders was the most electable candidate this year. And and they spent more effort than they're willing to do to stop Trump from stealing the election to stop Bernie from being the nominee. Yeah. I mean, take from that anything you want, but I think that means that like that is their number one priority to not be expected to take care of anything, to not be expected to somehow try to make like a voting block out of the people that they have in Congress where like most of these are, are from, I mean, a lot of their, their like voting power comes from places where it's an extremely precarious seat because that's their campaign strategy. You know, this is really depressing. I know it's depressing every time I talk to you guys. I know that I say that and we'll move to the, we'll move to the game, the quiz here in a second, but the picture that you're painting in so many words, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to explain your position to you. I'm trying to like actively listen. So I'm going to say some stuff and tell me if you think I got it right. But the hypothesis that you're, that I'm hearing you say, like if I could get, maybe it's the most simplistic version of the hypothesis is that the Republicans want to win because them being in power, you know, their chance of succeeding at what they, what they really want to do is pretty high because all they have to do is take stuff apart. They don't have to build anything. They don't have to create anything. They just have to like, you know, get rid of regulations and make the government smaller and cut some taxes and, you know, give, take away choice for reproductive rights if that's what is necessary to get people spun up and, you know, and vote for them or whatever. But it's, it's like technically not so difficult for them to do, for them to achieve what they want to achieve. In some ways, the Democrats are acting like they don't want to win because they don't actually want to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to be in charge. They would they'd be much better off being the resistance and complaining and pointing and saying, isn't that horrible? Isn't that awful? Like these people, can you believe it? Yeah, I, I think I think if all things were completely equal and they didn't have to lose anything to get like if if, if they as mostly rich people didn't have to lose anything for us to get, you know, Medicare for all or whatever. Sure, they'd go for it. But it's it's all this stuff is things that their donors don't want and things that they don't want because they, you know, in many cases have gotten to that level of wealth. It, it It's not even that they don't want to win because it's a hard problem to fix. They don't want to fix the problem. Yeah. Well, either way, either way it's looking like, I mean, they're acting like they don't, they, they don't want to do it, whether they don't want to do it because they actually don't want the outcomes to happen or they don't want to do it because there's a lot of chance of, you know, failing and falling flat on your face or, or both. I mean, you know, it could be both, right? We don't really want to do this. It's not something that we're really that excited about. And, you know, we're, the chance of success is really, really small. I mean, I don't know. It's the most, it's like the more I talk to you, the like I feel like I'm seeing some, you know, because I like, I like to just have the most simple explanation of things. I don't mean like simple isn't wrong, but just like what are the major forces that are in play? And I never really, I never, I, I, I get the idea of the, you know, people with money have access to power and they use the power to maintain 
their position of wealth and you know all that. Like I get, I I get that, but I never crossed my mind that they were not really that interested in succeeding. It's that's really interesting, man. I mean, it's just like I feel yeah. like California is is one of these places where you know it's mostly Democratic controlled and. Uh, there are certain things that you still don't see done there. I mean, it, it, it kind of lends itself to the point Bobby's making. Um, it's that's a great it's, point. It's a shame that it is this way. Um, I mean, it's also probably because of the wealth that's in California that kind of contributes to it. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's right to a point. Uh, and like you were saying earlier, it's just, it, these things are political risks, um, especially for voting populace that has been conditioned to kind of think in, in what's, what's electable and what's not. Um, it's like, you, you know, they've kind of crafted this, this kind of narrative of, of what can be done, what can't be done, and what is sensible and what's not, even though, you know, that contradicts like, polling for for preferences or you know what people want out of policy but yeah well i can tell you you know what i'm hoping for and i think what a lot of people are hoping for in in booting in booting trump is a is a more reasonable approach to the to the pandemic and hopefully we'll get hopefully we'll get at least that that would be worth that would be worth something yeah okay are you guys ready for the quiz i was just going to add one more thing Okay. I think it's it's good that uh, there isn't the same kind of glow that there was for Obama when he was going to be inaugurated. So I don't think there's going to be the same kind of forces dissuading people from really jumping on Biden and and that administration and you know criticizing and you know pointing out all the the bad things about it. I think you'd have a much harder time doing that, you know, about Obama in 2008, 2009. Yeah. I mean, there's hope in that. Yeah. We, Bobby and I talked about, we've talked, I guess, a a few times about, you know, how could you, like, what would be the best outcome? How could you know, like, what was really going to be good in the, you know, the long run, which is really hard to figure out. But Gina and I were speculating that maybe this was the best of the possible outcomes, both in the near and the longer term, in that you get rid of you get rid of this person who's getting in the way of an evidence-based kind of approach for to the federal response, anyways, to the pandemic. And you know, we've got several more months of this, or maybe even a year before we, you know, before we really things really get back to something approaching normal. So it's a it's actually a really important problem. So you get you get somebody who's a competent manager, probably, um, well more more competent than Trump, a- and you get the Democrats spanked a little bit. They you know it they have to be asking like what you know why is it that there was this, you, know, <laughs> you know why didn't they why didn't we do as well as we thought we did? So maybe this will create some kind of schism or opening or whatever. I mean I don't know four more years I have no idea like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. 
it all falls apart at some point. Sure. Hopefully it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't fall apart in a, you know, like a very violent way, but I don't know. I mean, this, that's how change happens. Usually is there some big, 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 you know, like the depression happened or, you know, you get riots and uh, around civil rights and then somebody says enough, we're going to like, we're going to take this thing on. But I don't think it just like, I think you guys have said the, the sort of the electoral approach is not usually what causes change, big change. Yeah. Okay, it's time for hmm, taste a little gamey. It's our quiz quiz show, our weekly quiz show. Bill, your categories are: you don't call, you don't write, frame that tune, science friction. Her suit is too tight. All that's about all things facial hair or innocent until guilty pleasures. I guess innocent until proven guilty pleasures. Low to mid-brow pop culture. <laughs> What's your category? Let's do her suit is too tight. Her suit is too tight. Here we go. First, there's two questions. So we'll just do it. I'll ask Bill, you'll get a question. Then Bob, you'll get a question. Then Bob, you'll pick a category. Do a question. Bill, do a question. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Her suit is tight. Okay. Within two years in either direction, in what year did Jeopardy host Alex Trebek most recently shave off his mustache within two years huh within two years in either direction in what year did jeopardy host alex sorry because he hadn't as like the most recent because he hadn't had one in a long time i'm not going to answer that i can't help you with that i was thinking aloud here okay Uh, man i'm trying to think back the furthest i can um, man, I don't even know if it's in the two thousands. Uh, and I don't really remember what he looked like in the nineties. Um, uh, Oh, you were so close. Two thousand and one. You were off really? by one okay. year. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that one's in. Okay, Bobby, here's your question. Frida Kahlo was a famous 20th century Mexican artist known for, known for her many portraits, including self portraits, as well as works inspired by nature. What striking facial feature is she also known for? I would say the unibrow. That's correct. It's the unibrow. Okay, that's a much easier one. question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, that's the way it goes. Okay, that's one for Bobby. All right. I need a chalkboard or something. Okay, Bob, your <laughs> choice. It's you don't call, you don't write. That's something's missing. Frame that tune. Intersection of music and current or political events. Science friction. That's sciencey stuff. Innocent until proven guilty pleasures. Low to mid-brow pop culture. Let's do innocent until proven guilty pleasures. Okay, innocent until proven guilty quit. Okay, here we go. In the past week or two, the world lost both Sean Connery and we just talked about Alex Trebek. Connery is famous for his portrayal of James Bond. Trebek was the longtime host of the game show Jeopardy. What TV show regularly spoofed Celebrity Jeopardy featuring both Trebek and Connery? I was just <laughs> thinking about it when you said the question. That would be SNL. Oh, you're right. Oh, man, that's two for Bobby. Yeah, we were just talking about how, cl- you know, what a coincidence that was. Just, you know, close together those were. Yeah, the two of them. Billy, here's your, yeah, Billy, here's your chance to pick up a spare point. 
name either one of the actors that played uh, Alex Trebek or the foul mouth Sean Connery. Uh, wasn't it Will Ferrell? That's correct. Okay, there's one for Bill. Okay, Billy, innocent until proven guilty pleasures. How many categories are included in the standard Jeopardy, Jeopardy quiz? You get, uh, a, you get a bonus point if you phrase your answer in the form of a question. Oh, what is five? Is it six? Oh, oh the answer is what is six? Oh, okay. no. Wow. I thought it was okay. five, too. It's two, two points for... Wait a minute. No, the answer's got to be five. You got it right, Billy. What is it? I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's five because it goes up to five hundred, one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. Yeah, thousand. Billy. Okay. All right. Is it okay? Okay. Two points apiece. No, Billy's got three. Right, because he said, "What is five? Oh, sure. Okay. Bob, you're down by one. It's three, three for Billy, two for Bobby. Billy, it's your turn. You don't call. You don't write. Something is missing. Frame that tune. The intersection of music and current or political events. Science friction. Science-ish stuff. No, I've, I've got to. I've got to go ahead and. This is this has got to be six. I think it's six. You think it's six? I think it's six. Hmm, I have. I, I have six. Up. I have six as the answer, and then I have a note. Each category included five answers. Each and allegedly ascending. Okay, Billy's going to take that. Billy's going to. Billy's going to get one point for being, for having principles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's two piece. It's two points apiece. Billy, thank you for that. That's that's very sportsmanlike. Okay. Well, you don't I, call I you don't write. Points. These are very very important points. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you don't call. Uh, you don't write. Frame yeah. that tune. Science fiction. Um, let's do frame that tune because we always put that off to the end. Frame yeah. tune? Frame that tune? Yeah. Is that what you Good call. Okay. Here it is. I'm going to play some audio. Listen carefully. Right on. Got it? Yes. Okay. The question is, what 1979 film used this music prominently? 1979. Oh. I can give you a hint if you like. Who's Googling over there? That's me. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'm I'm I was looking up the I I was remembering the wrong name for it. Oh, okay. That might be a hint. Well, yeah, I mean there's two that I always mix up the names of. You know, because they're kind of similar. Um, Do you want a hint? What, what movie? Uh, yeah, please. Okay, a hint as a quote. I believe that it happens while this music is playing, or it's around that time, right around the same scene. A hint. I mean, the quote is, "I love the smell of napalm in the morning." Oh man! Um, oh, dude, I oh man! <laughs> Another audio hint. You got it? Yeah. I just said my Come on, I, you got it. Ah, uh, 79 is full metal jacket. 
No, you got the right idea. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's it's Apocalypse Now, right? Right, that's correct. Okay. Okay, Bobby, your 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 question. Name any two actors from the movie Apocalypse Now. Oh, um, is it? I think it's. Is it Martin Sheen and then um, uh, Marlon Brando? Yep, that'll work. That's good. Nicely done. Marlon Brando, Dennis Hopper, Lawrence Fishburne, Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, and Harrison Ford, if you can believe it. Yeah, okay. yeah. A little minor role in that movie. Yep. Okay. It's uh, three to two. No. Three to, what is it, three to one? No, it's three right? to two. Three to two. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I got it. Three to two. Boy, I'm really bad at this. Okay, three to two. Three, three for Bobby, two for Billy. Bobby, it's You Don't Call, You Don't Write, or Science Fiction? Let's do Science Friction. Okay, Science Friction. Joe Biden, along with actors James Earl Jones and Emily Blunt, suffer from stuttering, a disorder that causes difficulty with the starting and timing of speech. Within 10 million in either direction, how many people worldwide suffer from this condition? <laughs> um, let's say f- 220 million 70 million ah, about about that's... 1% of the population okay still 3-2 Billy here's your science question this week Elon Musk tweeted that he after suffering symptoms of a cold and fever had undergone four antigen tests for the virus that causes COVID-19. He said that two of the tests had come back negative and two had come back positive. Obviously, no test is perfect. So here's your science friction question. What is the definition of a false positive test? Something that uh, it's a test that shows positive, but you're not actually, you know, you don't actually have whatever they're testing for. Nicely done. It's three apiece. Wow, they're going crazy. Okay. Gene will be very happy you got that one right. That's an epidemiology question. Okay. Three apiece. We're down to the last uh, the last category. You don't call, you don't write. Something's missing. Billy, this goes to you. First question. The town of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, is missing a mayor. In fact, it hasn't had a mayor for almost 30 years, at least not a human one. Since the late 1990s, what or who has been taking the role of mayor? Uh, I got to say Rabbit, if it's Rabbit Hash. Oh, I'm sorry. The answer is dogs. The latest uh, mayor to be elected is a French bulldog named Wilbur. The previous mayor was a dog named Brenneth Paltrow. (laughs) Paul. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Okay, Bobby, this is your chance to take the whole thing, the, the entire enchilada. Within two million either way, how many pieces of luggage were lost or temporarily mislaid in 2016? This is for the entire world. 16. <laughs> what's missing in this case is luggage, okay? Within two million either way, how many pieces of luggage were lost or temporarily mislaid in 2016? I'll say, I'll say 13 million. 13 million? Oh, I'm sorry. The answer is 22 million. This equates to nearly six bags per every 1,000 passengers. There you go. What? 
That's it. <laughs> That's been. Yeah, no, replay the, the audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thank you guys for coming. <laughs> great. That's great. There we go. Okay, so that was a tie. Our Three first piece. tie. Yeah, and I don't have a tiebreaker question. <laughs> that's that's quite all right. Well, nicely done, guys. What you got planned for the rest of the day? Definitely going to be working on some more stuff. Great. Well, I want to, uh, you know, let us know how it goes. Let us know when we can see some stuff. I'd love to see some of your absolutely goodness. Well, thank you. What are you People guys can, doing? If somebody's up? if somebody's listening, if we have a if we have a listener and they were interested in seeing some of your stuff on Twitter, where would they where would they go? Oh, thank you, Gobo three D at Gobo three D G O B O three D. Fantastic Twitter. stuff. Okay. Bobby, what do you have going on today? Uh, deciding whether I'm going to go over to, to Danica's house. I, I don't know. Like I say, it, it, I'm not sure if we're going to have more lockdown stuff happening mm-hmm. soon. So I might want to get that, you know. Yeah. Take advantage of what you can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, say hi to her for me, okay? Oh, I will. Send her our best. Every time I'm outside working in the yard, I think of her. <laughs> wishing she were here <laughs> <laughs> soon right well, hopefully yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. soon alright guys thanks for spending your time with me hey, carving out a little bit of time and putting up with my crazy <laughs> it takes me a while to catch on no, thank you okay. alright I love you guys I'll talk to All you right. soon love you. Okay. Right. talk love to you, you on Tuesday okay Yeah, sounds good. All right. Take care, you guys. All right.